history with the podcast guy, Matt King. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to our podcast. Unfortunately, for some, our topics that we talk about may be offensive to some people. The topics that we discuss could also be triggers, and we want you to be aware of that. If you are in need of help, please talk to a professional, a family member, or a friend. We are not medical professionals, and we don't claim to be. We are just two guys with a microphone and a platform. Please listen with discretion. Welcome to This Time in History, guys. I'm Matthew, and we're here again to cover another interview for the 2022 municipal election. So enjoy. With me today, for, um, she's running for regional uh, councillor of Ward 2 of the city of Pickering, Miss Linda Cook. Welcome to the show, Linda. Um, So this is your opportunity to introduce yourself and then ultimately answer the question, why are you running, why this election, and why now? (laughs) I'm going to break that down then. So uh, I'm a long-term resident of Pickering, very specifically in Ward 2, is where I've lived almost my entire life, and no, I'm not how old I am. Um, I've been here a long time, enough that I remember... Uh, Bay Ridges, which is the area of Pickering that I live in, um, when it was the neighborhood. Um, and when the, the Pickering Shopping Center had a different name, and it was called the Sheridan Mall, and our flea market used to be there. So I've been around a number of decades. Um, why am I running? I have been involved in various endeavors um, with the city for a number of years. Um, I, I formerly the, the president of uh, an association that is unfortunately no longer with us, well, the Pickering East Shore uh, Community Association, or PASCA, as it's commonly known as, that was around for more than 40 years. Um, and, and PASCA used, utilized its platform to connect neighbors and share news. Uh, and this is all very much pre-social um, media being as prevalent as it is today. So what did you do if there was no Twitter or TikTok or Facebook? How did you connect with people? Well, it was, you know, hosting community meetings and inviting uh, members of council and the mayor and, you know, members of the region, say emergency management services or OPG, and having them come talk at community AGMs and forums. And that really um, began my love affair with understanding the nuances of how municipal government operates uh, within the city of Pickering and the region itself um, because there's such a dynamic and partnership that needs to be maintained between each of the individual towns and cities in the region of Durham, um, not just Pickering. We're not an island. You have to get along. And I learned that through PESCA. And then I chose to raise my family here, and I am the father of a a child with special needs. uh, And... It's important to me that I also represent him and advocate advocate for people like my son who don't have a voice, um, and I'm not shy. So uh, if I can utilize superpower, which is connecting with people, and and be that voice for those who cannot speak, then I'm willing to do that. And that's really what um, led to my decision to run um, in this current election, and. Um, yeah, I think that sums up all three parts of those questions. If I missed a piece, you could certainly ask me more. Yeah, no, uh, that works. Uh, that works out pretty well. And um, so, 
this would be your opportunity if you've been able to flesh it out uh sort of i guess just the bullet points of your platform or the policies that you support and anything else issue than anyone who's been paying attention to politics over the last few years in Pickering is, of course, the increase in density that's expected to occur in the city uh, very rapidly, beginning with the intensification corridor along Highway 2, which is, of course, our our main artery um, in the city, aside from the 401. Uh, And there's a number of planned, uh, not yet executed, but planned condo developments to go in along uh, this Highway 2 corridor that stretches almost for our boundary in Toronto in, in the Rougemont area, um, you know, all along past through the city centre. Um, and this intensification brings a lot of things. And that is, of course, concerning to me um, in, in a number of ways. You know, I'm not opposed to growth. I know we need growth. Um, but with that comes affordability. And do we need all condos or is there a better plan for this? What about mixed use dwellings? What about those who want homes? Um, you know, where's the intensification infrastructure coming from and who's funding that? And where are the environmental studies? There are a number of things that just really haven't been transparent um, through this process that I think we need to share with the constituents not only of War II, but of Pickering as a whole, so that they're aware of what happens when you build high-rises in a very tight corridor. It's things people don't think about. You know, you're putting up 72 condo towers. You know, how many? what is the average number of condos per floor? Say it's 10, and we'll just use round numbers. You go into 50, so you're putting in 500 units per tower, times 50 towers, you know, how many toilets is that? How many sewers are required to support this type of infrastructure? You know, how many light bulbs is that? Where's the utility power coming from? Do people understand how utilities work? Um, you know, there's so much to this issue that the public uh, is not aware of that, um, that that's definitely on my, my top platform list um, for this particular election is to get that awareness out. I, again, I'm not opposed to growth. We need it. We know we need it. Um, it's how the growth occurs that concerns me. Um, and in saying that, the other thing that ties into that, you know, is inclusion. And inclusion is often talked about um, in many different ways, um, you know, when speaking uh, about various cultures. But the one thing that I find gets lost in our, our narrative a little bit as well in Pickering is the idea of of inclusion for all with accessibility and and that goes across age race and ability um we don't have a standard in pickering right now when you look at um the building plans even in seaton in new developments um and existing parklands or accessible parks you know where where are the accessible parks being created for children to be inclusive and that's part of, uh, you know, obviously, uh, since I'm raising a child with a with cerebral palsy, that that is something that is obvious to me that should not become a luxury or a matter of cost for any municipality. It should be a standard. If you're going to say you are an inclusive and diverse city, then do it and then show it.
and let's include, you know, people of all ability within that construct and that conversation as well. Um, and the same goes, you know, when you're building a park, is it accessible for elderly? Is it a clear path? Is it a low grade? Do we have benches on the routes? You know, there's there needs to be some thought process uh, going into accessibility for our ongoing uh, development within our communities that are being developed. Um, so that's a big thing for me. Um, the other thing that I, you know, I'll just give you three because I could go on all day. But the other idea for me is what has surfaced recently as well is accountability from City Hall. Um, over the last few years, I mean, there have been a number of challenges presented through COVID that obviously meeting in person was not a, a viable option. Not even a luxury, it just couldn't happen given COVID. So a number of meetings took place that were in camera. And I think we've set an unprecedented record number of in camera meetings that continue, this practice has continued. Um, so, you know, my idea here would be well, why don't we, you know, look at uh, changing that, uh, you know, moving forward? and recommending that we have an integrity commissioner that supports our council. It's not a knock against council, it's a supportive council. You know, if you want to be an accountable and accessible barrier-free city council, then where is that platform for those who might question practices to go to? And that's where an integrity commissioner could be um, that bridge between the public and the city. So, there you go. That's my, my nutshell uh, capsule of, of top three things. I love that. It's very concise and it's very thought out and uh, very passionate, especially about the um, the whole park thing. You know, from one parent to another with a, a kid with special needs, I I wholeheartedly agree with that. So um, the other thing, I w the next thing I wanted to talk about is um, the nuclear power plant. I, I was told it was supposed to already be closed. I was told then again that it's being closed in 2024. And I'm just wondering uh, your opinion on the uh, subject and, and what you've heard and what you think, <clears throat> excuse me, what you think should happen and anything else you want to say on that topic. Sure. Well, I've lived in the shadow of the nuclear power plant my whole life. Literally, I lived down the street. I used to ride my bike in there as a kid <clears throat> and go sugar cubes out of the visitor center um, and I, I like to joke with people I, I work for an American company so very often Americans will ask me where I live and I'm like okay look at a map find the nuclear power plant turn slightly to the west to the right and that's my house and they're like ah you're kidding me and I'm like well I was born blonde with curly hair and I'm a brunette with straight hair so they kind of look at you funny I'm like it's a joke come on guys uh, <laughs> When you live this close, I think OBG does a wonderful um, outreach program to supply those of us within a certain radius, and I don't actually know for a fact what that ex radius extends to, but they send out information on a frequent basis. Here's what's going on. Here's the news. Here's what you need to know. Um, and from what I've read on, on a global scale, you know, nuclear energy is very clean. You know, we're not burning coal fossil fuels polluting into the sky again um, it's clean it's been proven safe um, however in saying that our plant is aging and it is now the eldest 
I believe, operating a nuclear plant in North America, and it'll be the first time an attempt at decommissioning like this is going to go down. Um, I think it's the right thing to do. If you look at the long-term plans that OPG clearly had in place, they wouldn't have gone and built Darlington without a plan to transition Pickering into another facility, because you can't just shut down the plant. Where does the power come from? And if Pickering is planning, you know, 72 condo towers, who are, who's powering those things? So, um, you know, is it foolproof? No. Um, but what is? Every source of energy that we have on the planet right now, even geothermal, create off gases. You know, wind turbines generate pollution, um, maybe solar panels, but then you have to have huge tra- land so we have to have something to you know power our homes um do i think it's time for it to go out to pasture sure let's do that before we can't and then there's a problem with the plant um can it survive a few more years i think so but i'm not a nuclear engineer so i don't know that's my stance on that yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, um, I'm i a truck driver, so I, I did deliveries, and I've actually delivered to the power plant. So uh, it's it's a huge land. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, it's, it's uh, 900, something like 940 hectares worth of land. Um, and the biggest building that you can see there is called a vacuum building. I know a lot of the plant, because like I said, I used to go in there as a kid and watch all the little movies and play with the models, which I thought was fantastic. So they have this huge building called a vacuum room that is uh, 15 feet thick of concrete lined with lead that if anything happened at the plant, it literally sucks everything into this vacuum building and seals it, you know, for all eternity. So... Um, in, in terms of what Ontario has done right, I, I, you know, the nuclear power plant has been kind to us. And in the city of Pickering in particular, you know, they've been a community partner, you know, not just from the parklands, but the initiatives they do to engage community. So I feel kind of sad that that might be gone uh, in our, our community. And I'm hoping that maybe they keep their office towers and their training centers and and that type of opportunity within Pickering because of course once you close the plant those jobs go with them and that's the other thing to be aware of you know shut down a a power plant not everybody gets a new job at the new one because they've already staffed that so we need to think in terms of of economic uh, fallout from that and it's a very real thing um, for those who live and work around the plant you know you're, you're talking thousands of employees so all things need to be measured when considering operations at, at pickering station that's for sure absolutely absolutely and uh now i want to talk about the uh budget i know there's a a separate budget for the the local councillors and uh the regional councillor um council um and i was just wondering uh if there are any sort of budget concerns and if so what they might be or what do you see um for the future in terms of the budget for the city of pickering so i'm gonna be straight with you i saw the budget come out it's 187 pages long 
Wow. And I did not read it all in its entirety. I got sort of boggled at the beginning because it, it's projected. When you look at it, it's current year and it goes forward through five. So if you're looking at things like um, vehicles over a hundred thousand dollars, what is the amortization rate and where's that budget go? And you think you might think, oh, vehicles of a hundred thousand dollars, what are they buying? Range Rovers for every city councilor? That's a big fat no. What it is is fire trucks. You know, maybe it's snowplow removal machines, things like that, um, that are expensive big ticket items. So I need to dig in much deeper, Matthew, on that subject because I sort of only got it about as far as page 14 looking at, trying to wrap my head around it going, there is so much to understand in a, in a city budget and the planning that goes into that, you know, and it all starts to tie together. So when you think of a single line item like vehicle, you have to look at that projection over five years because as we grow and we build new neighborhoods, well, that means new fire halls, which means new fire trucks which means you've got to spend $100,000 to buy a single fire truck. So it's a it's a big question to dissect budget and what those implications are, and I'm really not that knowledgeable on that yet to, um, you know, sound authoritative on, on the budget spending because um, I'm really just trying to connect all of those dots and, and understand, okay, this makes sense, you know, I get it. No, I understand. I understand what you're saying. It's just uh, I was just looking for like uh, so in terms of Toronto, uh, you know, we're we're bleeding money, especially coming out of the pandemic, and uh, I'm just wondering if something like that is happening in Pickering. Oh, budget in that regard. I thought you meant like the actual budget that was released. Um, you know, the city center idea for Pickering has unfortunately taken a beating. Whether you support it or not, the fact is it got caught in the crosshairs of, of COVID, right? That project was planned and initiated and and then, you know, womp womp, here comes COVID and everything is shut down. And then what does that affect post? Well, now everything costs more. And now you have supply chain issues. So now it's taking longer to get things. So the cost becomes exponential. And that's not something that necessarily could have been predicted when this was thought out and envisioned. Um, what I would be, you know, tentative on is going back more consultants. It always seems to be the answer, whether it's the city of Toronto or any city or municipality. Oh, we need consultants to look at this again. No, we don't. We don't need to go spend another hundred thousand dollars on, you know, uh, a study uh, or a con consultation. It's a huge, the city center is a huge chunk of this 187 page budget um, that is being in there that if you if you look at the current Pickering budget and look at the line items, you'll see, holy moly, this is spiraled um, in a place I don't think anyone could have anticipated. So I don't think it's a fair statement to say bleeding money, but it's certainly not money that all taxpayers would be thrilled to know how, you know, increased or not been actioned but again this is the reality it, the line of work that I'm in we, we build uh, large scale buildings and I hear it every day the cost of X just went up and there's nothing that could have been foreseen to anticipate this so I think it's an unfortunate situation for our city in particular to have taken on such an ambitious project 
and now you know three years later going yeesh what do we do so maybe that's the question if it's this large capital project do you reevaluate and decide to tackle it in smaller portions rather than spending taxpayer dollars to achieve the initial vision because quite frankly three years have changed and your initial vision may no longer marry with the reality of what's available to you both in terms of budget and supply chain that's well put that's well put and uh so for the topic of transit i wanted to talk about um pickering transit what you think needs to happen and whether or not you'd be supportive of uh, Metrolinx extending the TTC into uh, Durham region, into the city of Pickering. Hmm. So, you know, with all this planned growth, there is no other option other than to improve our transit city or transit situation within the city. It's um, just a reality. You want to put in all these condos? You want to put in all these people? Well, how are they going to get around? Not all of them are going to work in Pickering. That's, you know, folly. <clears throat> think that that is the reality they'll be commuting into toronto or markham has the technology corridor that perhaps they're they're working in or richmond hill so you have to connect these transit hubs and and i think part of our answer is not just metrolinks alone but working with the other municipalities i mean york region would be a prime example if you know you have X number of people moving into Pickering who already work in the technology corridor in Markham, why wouldn't you form a partnership with York Region Transit? You know, and and make it accessible and, and easier. Um, for people I, I've spoken to who commute long distances that have to change providers in their transit, we need to be doing a better job in partnership with these various transit systems to make it easier for the commuter. You know, whether that's a single pass, the way that Metrolinx attempted to, to do with their Presto rollout, right? You get on, use the same card. Um, that certainly makes it simpler um, for the commuter into or into from Toronto into Pickering. I, I can't see another way around that. Um, again, with the intensification that's coming, it's in a transit course. It's no longer the cheap and cheerful way to travel. And that's a fact. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to talk uh, uh, as well about um, the topic of homeless people and um, affordable housing. Okay. And um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not like I said, I, I'm a truck driver. Sometimes I come through Pickering. I'm not really familiar uh, if there's a... Um, a homeless issue in Pickering and um, also anything that you want to say about uh, affordable housing you said all these condos are going to be going up but none of them I bet you are going to be uh, under the affordable housing um, tagline mm -hmm. and anything you want to uh, offer on that uh, topic for sure so um, let's just re reframe that a little bit and, and not you know part of who I am um, so she's I'm not going to shout out their name so I, I'm I've been fortunate enough um, in my relationships within Pickering that I'm a volunteer at our, our Pickering Legion 606 um, so if you're ever down with karaoke I host the karaoke every Friday night 
Um, what we've done as well is partnered with um, a local group called DARS, and it was started by a woman named Darlene who experienced um, food insecurity and homelessness as well in her lifetime and out of the kindness of her heart created this um, service to provide uh, hot meals or shelter not just um, for those who would consider homeless but people and families who suffer from food insecurity and there's a, that number has grown exponentially due to COVID um, and that's a reality so very kindly the Legion um, partnered with, with Darlene and her team to provide hot meals for um, our homeless in Pickering. And it's not just Pickering. Some of them would travel in from Ajax in order to have a hot meal and a drink and be treated with decency and get out of the cold. And what I learned through that was that Pickering does not have the facilities to um, does not have a homeless shelter in place the way that, say, Oshawa um, does, um, because it, it's a relatively new experience within our city, but it's a reality, and it's a reality that is here to stay. As people continue to, um, you know, perhaps dig out of inequitable situations caused through COVID and find their feet again, um, and try to look for affordable housing, which becomes scarcer and scarcer, you know, within Pickering, they have to manage those realities and providing services to those, again, not necessarily just homeless, but those who suffer from food insecurity. I think we, we, need, we have an obligation to do this and to provide this to our community members. So, um, I could tell you stories, but this might not be the podcast to do that. Uh, but I, it's been my honor to, uh, you know, work with the Legion and, and with Darlene's group and provide meals for gentlemen and ladies. Uh, it's both that have come in and required our services. So, City of Pickering, if you're listening, even if I don't win this election, do the right thing. <laughs> That's awesome. You, you know, I always, after my, uh, I have a, I have a, daughter she's going to be 20 i'm always after her i'm like you know what would be a great way to spend thanksgiving or or christmas and she's like what i'm like let's go volunteer in a soup kitchen and she just looks at me she just looks at me like i have three heads or something well you know it's a great (laughs) idea to to your children at a young age is fantastic that's what I, i do with my family I mean I joke with my son that volunteering is the family business because it is and we get back he's a regular volunteer and has been for years at the Legion so much so that they gave him his own barbecue apron with his own name that he's really quite proud of uh, to wear so you know it's just the normal due course of our lives that we do this Um, and the Legion has continued this tradition when we have events where it was like Canada Day and there's extra you know pop that might have been given out or juice boxes or stuff the Legion always donates that and contributes that back out to the community because they need our help that's awesome I I love I love hearing stories like that um if we you know in an ideal world I don't know if you're familiar with this particular agency but in Oshawa there's an agency that you know I'm shamelessly going to plug here they're called the Backdoor Mission and their whole um, idea is to relieve the burdens of poverty um, and provide relief for poverty, but also services. So when you think about 
homelessness, you know, in order to get services, we have to have ID. And to get ID, we have to have ID to get ID. And it becomes this trap and this loop. So Backdoor Mission doesn't just provide, you know, food. They are more like a community hub that if you've lost your driver's license or your health card and you need to go in and do this, they've set this all up in one center that you could almost go from booth to booth to booth like a trade show and get your services done. And it's such a wonderful, uh, you know, concept that I think we could be modeling across other cities, not just Durham region, since we have one, um, but extending that into into other, you know, pockets of Ontario that need it. It's just wow. a cool thing to do. Yeah, you should check it out. Just Google Backdoor Mission. I will do that. Um, I wanted to segue into our next uh, topic. I want to talk about uh, crime and police. Um, I, I understand uh, from previous discussions that the city of Pickering um, doesn't have, uh, I don't know if authority is the right word, over the Durham Regional Police, but there's a relationship there, and I'm just wondering if you can speak to that and speak to, uh, uh, I guess, the, the crime rate and uh, overall, in terms of crime and, and safety and police, what, what, what that's like in the city of Pickering. Um. That's a big question. As, as far as I understand it, um, it operates much the same way any large municipality would work, say like the city of Toronto. Those budgets are not um, maintained through the city of Pickering. Those are region, right? It's, it's Durham Regional Police. It's not Pickering City Police. So that... Um, I'm, I think you're right. We absolutely, as a city, need to have a relationship at that level and maintain a good relationship. Um, I personally have a great relationship with our um, our, our Durham's Finest um, through my association with Special Olympics because they sponsor um, Special Olympics as a primary um, philanthropic endeavor of the police with their uh, support of the torch run and so i i only have great positive feedback to give on our police force and our crime rate um not that i'm special in any way but where i live um i would say that the response has been great when whether that's a police um, call or any essential services the response has always been quick I think you would need to actually have a long lens measurement look to know if there's a meaningful impact on increase in crime or is that just because the population has been higher or as you increase, um, it just, you know, are, are correlated and I'm not knowledgeable enough to give you that definitive answer. I think people are very quick to say, oh, back in the day, crime wasn't so bad, but how do you know? If you were living in a community of 100 and now you're living in a community of 10,000, of course the incidences are much higher. Um, that's just, you know, per capita growth. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I'd like to think that our crime rates are, are being well maintained and are within normal realms. Um, you know, it's, it's n nowhere near the level. Uh, experienced by our friends south of the border and let's hope that we continue to stay that way absolutely <laughs> that's that's really no i was just because i was telling you uh off air 
where I used to live in Tobico, we we left because the crime got really bad over the last four or five years that we lived there. So yeah. I, I'm I'm glad that um, maybe that's a Toronto issue and and it doesn't bleed out to uh, other municipalities. Uh, you know that it would be naive to think that it's never going to bleed out. Uh, of course it is, and as you push people further and further um, out of the city core. I think the key thing that needs to be considered with whether you want to call it urban sprawl or just normal growth and development, if you're not planning to provide services um, to people, well, what do they do? And what do your youth do? If you're going to build out these places and encourage people to move here and grow here and set up roots here, what are you doing fundamentally to capture that interest and provide services? So not just hospitals, but where are the community centers? Where's the really cool kick-ass skateboard park? You know, where's the BMX bike park? Or where are the bike lanes going in? You know, the more that you engage and have people invested within their community, I think you create that sense of kinship that people want to protect where they live and take pride in where they live. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, just just a couple more things before I let you go. Um, you have a, a website or anything you would like to share with the listeners and um, anything else that you want to say directly to the listeners? Go ahead. Um, I do have a website. It is not live yet. It will be up next week. Um, not that I know. <laughs> slow or anything I just uh, needed to get it right and get that narrative correct and so uh, it's a really easy website because I have the world's shortest name so um, it's just lindacook.ca Linda with an I cook no E L-A-N-D-A-C-O-O-K dot C-A that's awesome yeah I mean pretty transparent and open person uh, what you see is what you get and uh, I, I really do thank you for the opportunity to speak with you Matthew and get to know you a little bit and you know my invitation to you is there when you're trucking on through Friday night absolutely come visit 6 we're a good time absolutely you know uh, politics is starving for people a new blood with new ideas I think that a lot of the old um not old people uh, a lot a lot of the um current people who have been there for a long time their ideas are kind of on the stale side and they're not willing to budge here budge there or rock the boat and the boat needs to be rocked um with with new blood and fresh ideas so I want to thank yeah. you so much for for uh, doing this interview with me, for trusting me to be able to facilitate the process, and I wish you nothing but luck on your campaign trail. I tell all my candidates, election night for me, I, I love to be in front of the TV with some popcorn. I'm watching, <laughs> I'm not only watching the mayoral races all across Ontario, but I'm also watching the ward races and what I can't get on the TV I'll find online because I want up-to-date information and and I don't take any phone calls during this because you know my wife's because okay so back in the day I used to record it 
and then because I hated commercials, I would record it and then like wait an hour and a half and then watch it. But the problem is, is my wife's friends knew that I did that and they would call and spoil the results and I would get upset. So now I watch everything live and I just deal with the commercials. But <laughs> <laughs> there's no spoilers, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for coming on and, and doing this. I really appreciate it and I wish you nothing but luck. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have a great day. We'll <laughs>